guys, welcome to another episode of Live with the Cork in the Road. I'm Kelly. I'm your wine explorer here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am chatting with people who are shaping the Southeast wine industry. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Kelly and I am sitting here in a very rainy, very stormy Atlanta, Georgia right now but happy to bring you this week's episode. I hope that you are all doing well and enjoying what you hear on the podcast. We actually only have two more episodes, episode 11 and episode 12 coming up for season four. And then that's a wrap. And thanks to my listeners, I have actually been in contact with a few folks here in Atlanta that are going to make a guest reunion situation happen at some point here in Atlanta later this summer. That's all I know right now, but it's happening. And that's the magic of people in the wine community and people that listen and share about the podcast. So thank you so much for connecting through wine and through the Southeast wine industry. It's exciting. It's so wonderful to hear that you guys are enjoying the show. This episode, we are going to the mountains of Colorado. I talked with Cara McBroom. She's a sommelier out in Colorado, and she has a lot of experience working in restaurants as a wine director. She got her start in Charleston, South Carolina, working in the scene there. And then she also has worked in distribution and sales, actually the background in business and marketing. And she builds upon that at each level that she experiences in the wine industry. So if you've ever wondered about opportunities and how to get involved, this will really resonate with you. And then we also talk about life during COVID and what she experienced when she moved out to Denver right before the pandemic and how she has adapted and has decided to go back to school for an MBA that is based out of Germany. It's so neat, but it's focused on wine and wine business. So again, unraveling the layers of someone's passion in wine and where it takes them. Now, if you like what you hear, please share on Instagram, at A Cork in the Road. You can also visit www.acorkintheroad.com for all the insights about what we're up to right now with virtual tastings and even some more in-person tastings coming up this summer in Atlanta. So thank you for tuning in. Cheers to all of you and enjoy this week's show. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us from Denver. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know that you were out of town for the weekend. I hope it was something fun or was it adventure? What was it? With some friends, we went camping actually on the East Coast to this campground in New Jersey. Super relaxing. We had a great time. A lot of, you know, stories around the campfire, listening to some music, cooking hot dogs and hamburgers. You know, normally that's something I do here in Colorado, of course, but it's a little chilly still. Um, some days are warm. It goes back and forth. In the mountains where you do want to camp here, though, it's a little bit too chilly still. I mean, you could probably get out there if you're really adventurous and have all all the appropriate gear. But. The right gear. That's the key. All you gotta about have the, the right gotta have the right stuff. The winter stuff. I'm a Minnesotan. I know my winter gear very well. I have ditched it all since living in Atlanta, but it's all about the right stuff. But that sounds really great. What a fun adventure. I was hoping that it wasn't for business or something, but <laughs> I'm glad it was a really good getaway. And I am really excited to talk to you. I know we've been talking about having you on the show for a while because I was introduced to you via a common friend of ours, 
Tim Willard here in Atlanta. Honestly, he is probably, no kidding, like the talent scout for A Cork in the Road podcast. I feel like one out of three people has come on the show because of Tim's recommendation. So he said that we have a lot in common and I was thinking this is great, but did you work with him in Charleston or how do you know Tim? We know each other, a friend of mine or my boyfriend at the time, we're still friends. He and Tim worked together. And at that time we were both working towards becoming certified SOMs and, and taking that, that second test and sitting for that. And him and a few other people would help us with blind tastings and just setting us up with the right people or like a mock service. There's about 11 of us going to sit for it. And yeah, Charleston is a, it's kind of like a big little town or little big city, but there's such a concentration of restaurants and everyone's there to really kind of support each other and, and build each other up. And that's how we know each other, just networking through Charleston and becoming good friends through that. And I've visited him in Atlanta a couple of times. So yeah, we've, we've just worked together along the way. And uh, really, he's always been a mentor and somebody that I can kind of lean on in this in this industry. And we kind of watch each other kind of grow up through it, if you will. So that connects you directly to the wine people in Atlanta. It's like, if you know Tim and you've been in Charleston's food and wine scene, you got to know at least one person in Atlanta. So that is great. I've been hearing a lot about your background and your journey. And I think it's really a great one to share with people that tune into this podcast because you've had a lot of interesting twists and turns, which a lot of us do in wine, but we actually have similar roots in the wine industry. No pun intended. But you worked at a winery in Southwest Virginia. Is that where you're from? Because I also worked for a winery in, well, not South, but West side of Virginia. Right. Um, yes, I'm actually from a very small town called Floyd in Southwest Virginia. It's near Blacksburg, near Roanoke, kind of that area. Absolutely beautiful, picturesque Blue Ridge Mountains surrounded by that. And I grew up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. My brothers worked at a winery called Chateau Morissette, which is right on the parkway. And it was just about 10, 15 minutes from my house. That was my first job in a restaurant. And I was a server assistant running around filling everyone's water and getting everyone bread and, you know, having a lot of fun, um, having my brothers working. They were working. One was a server and one was working in the kitchen. Just fun and interesting that that was my first job, my first official job, besides working on a horse farm when I was like 12. But that's where it all started, even though at that time, I didn't think that was the career path that I was going to take, right? It was just a job and I was making money. And so I could support my fun habits and going out with my friends. But you're growing up in Virginia, and you mentioned two very popular things there, horses and wine. So that all makes sense to me there. Do you drink Virginia wine now? I haven't in a long time, to be honest. I need to focus on it. I worked with a restaurant group in Charleston, and I believe their winery is called Pippin. Oh, Pippin Hill. Yes. Pippin Hill. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I haven't in a long time. If you have any recommendations, I really need to. I, I definitely gravitate towards more European and old world wines. So I sometimes walk into, there's a, a wine shop here, Mondovino, that I frequent and that's kind of developed a relationship with them. They know my palate and I'll often walk in there and be like, don't let me buy anything that I normally buy so that I'll expand my horizons. However, you know, we all get stuck in these little rabbit holes of what we enjoy. And so I do need to really start branching out I remember there was a winery in North Carolina that I absolutely loved. We actually 
poured by the glass at a restaurant that I worked in in Charleston. But yes, it has been a while. So I do need to, I need to, I've seen some of yours that you have been posting about and I know that you're getting ready to or just went on a trip to Virginia somewhere. Yes, go into Virginia wine again. So I will come with fresh ideas. Of course I have my go-tos, but having been there kind of in the early stages of that industry booming, I continue to find new discoveries every time I go. So yes, I have my favorites, but I will send you an updated list as of June. So stay tuned for that. I can't wait because I I do need to, especially when I go back to visit family and stuff, I need to more focus on some Virginia wineries so I can really get familiar with more of that, that local, those local producers and whatnot. It's exciting though that you had a lot of your building up experience in the food and wine industry, working in restaurants in Charleston, famous for food and wine scene. I know that was working during college, but what was your favorite part of working in that fine dining scene? And then what led you kind of from server to sommelier? I got into fine dining, thought that I had worked in fine dining before realizing the caliber of restaurant that is fine dining in Charleston is very different than a lot of other places, especially in Southwest Virginia. I quickly learned and caught on to the level of customer service, more of a guide than just being a, a server and a salesperson. So I really enjoyed, I've always enjoyed learning, nerd for all kinds of different knowledge. And wine, what I love about it and why I kind of got into it was A, because of one of our wine directors taught classes once a month, which really made it much more of an approachable subject. At first, I was like, I don't know if I can learn all this. This seems way overwhelming. But as soon as I started having those little aha moments and light bulbs going off because of these mentors around me, it made me realize like, oh, I can do this. Difficult and challenging, which I love, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's something that you are consistently learning. And it's like a language. If you don't speak it every day, you'll forget or you'll lose or you'll have to brush up. But also every year is a different vintage. And as we're watching climates and different little areas change and them discovering different varieties that work, et cetera. It's just, it's, you're constantly learning. And that's what I really loved about it. And I realized, you know, because of that, and I would start studying the wine list and just picking a wine once a week or, or however often and focusing on that and getting excited about it, whether it's because I tasted it or somebody told me a cool story, I would want to translate that to the guests that I was serving. And I just really enjoyed the hustle and bustle and the kind of fast paced of that environment, but also the fact that we were learning so much. We not only learned so much about wine with reps coming in and doing lineups, et cetera, but also the chefs there are, you know, in a caliber of their own in that they were constantly making sure we understood exactly the preparation methods, the ingredients, everything, every step that went into each dish so that we could really understand how it was prepared, A, for, say, any allergies or anything like along those lines, but also how that would pair well with wine and the art of that. And so I just, I think I got into it because it's a constant environment of something new, something fresh. You can always discover a new wine that you love 
or rediscover a wine. You're like, I remember this being amazing. And so I just wanted to tell more people about it, how we all are with our passions. If we are excited about something, we want to share it with anybody that will listen, right? Do you want to know more? And most of the time they do, but sometimes they're like, car, it's way over my head. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just drink. (laughs) Well, that's a perfect then product, beverage, hobby, whatever it is to always have something new to learn and that you're never done. You have lots of rabbit holes in the wine industry and the wine regions of the world. So that's a great spot for someone who's always digging for more knowledge. And I'm thinking too, you built a lot of the expertise on the floor, in the restaurants, with the food and wine combination. But I know that you've also explored other positions in the wine industry and other roles. So what led you to seek out roles beyond the restaurants in sales and distribution. Was it something in particular? I started at the steakhouse on King Street. After about nine months, I realized that I wasn't being challenged enough for me. And I have a background in marketing and a business degree. I never really anticipated wine becoming a career. I just thought it was going to be a passion and a love and something that I would enjoy with my friends. So after a few months, I approached the owner and I was like, look, I want to become a certified sommelier. I feel like, you know, that's a goal of mine. I feel like I am, I'm good at selling wine. I enjoy it. At some point I want to move to a more challenging role for me, take on more responsibility. And of course, owners love to hear that. And so I started as managing the seller and restocking wines and doing inventory, helping with ordering, you know, starting to do some tastings here and there with the wine director and expressed an interest in that. So after about a year, I became certified. I taught classes to the staff or pretty much anyone that would listen, front and back of the house, in order to help me learn. The best way for me to learn is to teach. And so through that process, I started you know, developing relationship with these different managers and reps of these different distribution companies and suppliers. And it just, you know, expanded my horizons even more of, you know, the possibilities that were out there in the wine industry. And I remember it was like a, a critical, it was one of those, one of those nights where like one of the best nights. It was like all the stars aligned, everything that I recommended, big bottles, small bottles, didn't matter. I would sell one, two, seven of them. And I remember looking at the director of operations and I was like, man, that was amazing. But in the same breath, I was like, I knew that I needed a change. And it's just something for me. I like, I need to move on to something different, something challenging. And I told the owner, I was like, I absolutely love this program. But I would like to kind of further my studies. But because of that domestic program, I wanted to expand my horizons and learn more and just really immerse myself more into other regions. And of course, the old world being my passion just for personal consumption, but also wine and food pairing, etc. I told him that I, I would like to explore other opportunities. And I will say... I loved that position because not only did it teach me how to manage a staff, how to produce a schedule, how to run a wine program with the balancing act that is between the wines by the glass and by the bottle and your high-end producers and your middle of the road, et cetera, et cetera. It exposed me to some of the most unique and small production or sites of California, Oregon, Washington. It really exposed me to a lot of styles or just a lot of wines that I probably wouldn't have been exposed to if I hadn't worked there. So I really gained a 
strong appreciation for domestic wine and what our industry is doing here. But I also wanted to look at working daytime and having more of a, you know, not a nine to five because all of these jobs are never just strictly nine to five, but I wanted to have nights and weekends off and be the person sitting at the bar having a drink and, and enjoying my friend's company and, and just, as I said, exploring something different. So I didn't have like a, a job specifically lined up. I had some irons in the fire and had mentioned some things because of my relationship with Breakthrough Beverage. I had worked alongside all their managers and different reps and stuff would come in. And so it felt like a great place to land in the sales to start in sales. So I was a sales representative for about a year and then I worked my way up to management and then I became a specialist instead of managing people it was more managing suppliers and accounts and brands kind of more of our boutique portfolio so I got to manage our burgundy portfolio and a lot of our Bordeaux producers and just really explore those areas even more and then on top of it, it also exposed me for the first time to selling spirits, some very boutique spirits. So, you know, it's just, I feel like in life and our careers, your next step should always be about moving forward and expanding and just enhancing your skill set and what you already know and challenging yourself. And I already knew that I was good at selling because being on the floor and I wanted to apply that to a true sales position and it worked. I loved it. It's a lot of hard work. You need to constantly be available. So I was approached by Moet Hennessy to work for their agency and represent them and uh, facilitate sales, but also do events and promotional focuses around whatever I was selling or whatever, you know, time of the year it was, season, etc. Your story unravels in all these layers of not just transferring skills, but building a upon the skills. Right. And I think that's the really interesting part of people that might not know all the different layers of the wine industry. They might think, oh, a sommelier does one thing. And what you're showing is that, yeah, you have the skills in the restaurants and now you've bonded that with your experience in marketing and sales and relationship building. That's a really neat way to try out different aspects of the industry and see what you like and see where the life balance is and see where the travel is and see, you know, all of the different atmospheres. It's a lot of choices of your full experience in your wine life that go into what role is best for you. Always keeping your eyes open for new experiences. But I know that you ultimately decided to go back and live in Colorado. So what was the biggest immediate difference of life in Colorado versus the Southeast? What did you notice right away? Well, it's not nearly as humid. <laughs> it's very dry. Um, there's just as much sun. It's not more sometimes. It's gorgeous. Stars started lining. Things just started falling into place. In that spring, I decided, you know, I think that this is the time. Like, I think that I'd been working for the company I was with, with Moet Hennessy, representing them. I had been working for them for about a year. And I was like, I'm going to work out the rest of this year so I can see a full, like, fiscal year and see what that looks like in my successes. Cause I like to look back and see, you know, what I have accomplished and where I need to grow or where I did grow, what I learned. So I worked out that whole year and I told my company that I wanted to move to Colorado and they actually had a position open here in Denver. And I was like, well, that's perfect. Could that have been more perfect? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I hit the road with my 
now 16-year-old lab, Bailey, and stopped a few places, got here just a couple days after New Year's, snowboarded and asked to have the month of January off so that I could settle in. I also am an avid snowboarder. I've been snowboarding since I was, I don't know, young, a teenager. Wow. So that was a big, that's a big drive. I, I, I really wanted to get more of an active lifestyle. And so I really love how grandiose mountains here and just how much outdoor activity there is available at our fingertips. So that was a big draw for me. Denver is a, an environment that is really, the restaurant industry is really booming and growing faster and faster. About, about a month in, I start my job right, right around February 1st and spend the next six weeks networking and really being in as many accounts as I could because I had always, I had challenged myself previously by moving jobs, but I always had that network of people, my, those relationships to fall back on. Well, what I loved about this is I knew the job, I knew the producers, I knew the brands, I knew my portfolio backwards and forwards. I knew um, the processes as what we had to go through as a company, what we had, what we were responsible for. But the new challenge was learning a new market and developing new relationships. And, you know, my parents have always said that I've never met a stranger. I love meeting new people. I mean, I'm always trying to reach out and figure out ways to, to meet new people and network. So this was just like, you know, the next challenge in my life. And about, a, you know, six weeks in, really about four weeks of working and then COVID hit. And so I was in this new place living by myself and just, okay, so what am I going to do now? Went from selling and developing relationships to completely cut off. And then, I don't know, the next, just like everyone, you know, spent the next few months being like, there is nothing to do there. I can't do anything. What do I do? And so I spent... Yeah, a lot of time self-reflecting, doing a lot of yoga, going a lot of walks. It is beautiful here in the spring, just kind of figuring out what my next move would be. And as much as I wanted to potentially go back into sales, I had a feeling that my life might take a different turn and I was ready for it and embraced it. I mean, I've been in sales at this point in some form or fashion between the distributor and the supplier five and a half years. So again, that five-year mark, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for a new challenge. And so that's where I am now. Always ready for that possibility. There are people that are completely opposite of that. There are people that are like, you know, I'm never, this is great. Let's roll with it. Tell yeah. Someone tells me not to. And what I'm realizing, kind of a theme of what you're telling me of your interest in studying wine is always that new challenge. And so recognizing when you want to be challenged by something, when you want to try something new, not leaving everything behind, but again, that building upon concept. And I think that pause during COVID and that early 2020 time for a lot of people was like, if I don't have this, what would I do? And so you had that time to contemplate. But you also went from social events all the time to not. How did that feel to not talk wine with people? It was tough. It was, uh, there was... You know, everyone, I'm sure everyone had very much ups and downs. I will say uh, my wine consumption did not stop. That was the one thing that I allowed myself was to continue drinking good wine and, and exploring new producers. I'm like, well, if I'm going to be sitting here, there was a, the wine shop was a few blocks away, a short walk. And so it was almost like daily. I would walk down the road, what, so what wine am I going to drink today? Or what am I going to um, taste? Or what am I going to put in my cellar? which is right behind me <laughs> and right behind me. Um, I try to make sure I have a nice selection of, of, 
uh, good bar stocked and or wines that I want to lay down. And then of course, wines that I want to, to drink that day. But yeah, it was, it was really difficult. You know, I have a really amazing group of friends and we really leaned on each other. And of course, an amazing family as well. We really leaned on each other and did a lot of Zoom calls, had a lot of wine, happy hours um, over Zoom. And that was what I needed to get through because I didn't have that outlet. You know, there were for, for three months, there was like three people that I saw, you know, and that's, that is not like me for me to see less than three people in a day is, was few, you know? So it was really difficult. I did a lot of, I don't know, as I said, self-reflection, a lot of reading, a lot of, a lot of thinking, a lot of sitting around, what am I going to do? Twiddling my thumbs. Like it just was really hard, but I picked up a lot of books. I started reading, but first champagne which I I had never finished, but I finished the, I guess, biography of Madame Vauclicot. I love reading about the history of it because wine itself, you know, has so much history attached. And so it was interesting just learning those stories. I also, one of the things that I feel I've kind of started to challenge myself with recently is relearning cocktails I'm not a mixologist or a bartender by any means, but I love and can make a good classic cocktail, you know, like a good old fashioned gimlet, of course, a great martini. That's awesome. So I started really focusing on that. And I, as you can see here, as a result, I started building up my bar, adding Amaro's and some bitters and just using that time to practice what was something that I wasn't, that was out of my comfort zone. You know, I, I can get behind a bar and sling some drinks and had many a times working as a manager, working as the wine director, I would jump behind the bar and be slinging drinks on a Saturday just to keep us out of the weeds. And I loved it. I had so much fun. I, I was, you know, I can work quick on my feet, but really you know, going back and relearning, not only relearning the recipes, but also like the history and buying books that related to that. And attending seminars. I attended Tales of the Cocktail. I also attended SOMCON and some other fab as well, which is run by a good friend, Randy Weinstein in Charleston. So I attended some, did as much as I could virtually to learn. I also used that time to develop my business side of things and started learning things about website development through LinkedIn Learning and how would I, if I wanted to create my own company, which I have, um, it's in the baby phases and in the infancy phases, but how would I do that? What, what does e-commerce look like? And just learning this whole other side of the wine industry or really every industry. And so I just, I tried to learn as much as I could while drinking. So while really. drinking and <laughs> I feel like that's a wonderful adaptation to move forward in these crazy times is to figure out what more knowledge can you seek out. And now that all makes sense to me with your current MBA program that you have pursued now, because that's really about the business side of things. So are you having any revelations so far in your studies that are new skills that you didn't have before? Yes, a lot. It is very challenging. Um, it is an online program based in Germany because I, I figured if I took a regular MBA that it, it might not keep my attention as much as something that is focused around wine. Well, a friend of mine was like, well, you, you know, once you start studying or put together a spreadsheet of all the different places, how much it costs and, you know, the pros and cons, 
Well, turns out there's only, unless somebody else can tell me, there's only two programs in the world that are taught online in English that are an MBA program focused in wine. And one is in Sonoma State, but it didn't start until 2021. And the other was at wine campus Neustadt in Germany. It's on the wine road or the wine Strausse. And I had always wanted to get my MBA long before I got into the, you know, wine as a career. I always wanted to get my MBA. As I said, I just love learning. I love being in school. I mean, maybe not when I was like 18, 19, just not, nobody at that age really knows what they want to do. Or, But I had always thought about it and I wanted to find a way, maybe a company that I worked for to put me through a program or whatnot. But when COVID hit, it felt like, taking the next two years to further my education and kind of immerse myself in a a business program because I feel like I have a really good solid background in the wine and spirit side of things. Why not further the business side? So if I do, and when I do want to create my own company, that I will have those those building blocks, those that background to expand internationally if I wanted to, and to know what it's like to brand something, to market something. And so this program is also based around sustainability as well. So it's wine sustainability and sales. So I have the wine and sales part, but the sustainability part, of course, I'm familiar with it, but really learning what that means. It's not just about environmental sustainability. It's about sustainability from the entire concept. And so I've just learned a lot about that and using wine, the wine industry as our case study, it's taking something that I'm super passionate about and learning about, you know, Chateau Ponte Canet, I did a a case study on that and analyzed that and did a presentation and just learning about this historical, which I already knew a little bit about, but learning more about these historical producers or just sustainability from the lens of the wine industry itself. It's just fascinating. And now I'm actually doing a sensory experiment where you take a set of wines and a set of judges taste them and then a set of consumers taste them and you analyze them and learning how to analyze that and create a hypothesis. Just all these things that like some of this stuff I hadn't, you know, chemistry, I hadn't learned this since high school. And so to go back and crash course, relearn it, and then actually apply it with a master's program. You're not there just to be like, all right, I checked a box. I got an A, I got a B, I got an A, you know, you're there to actually learn the subject. And we'd like to think that that was the case for our bachelors. And of course it is, but a lot of times you don't necessarily take as much from your bachelors as you might think you would or apply it because maybe you don't end up in the same field or whatever but with a master's you're really immersing yourself and they're like you can put as much or as little as you want into this it's all about you and what you want to get out of it and I'm you know a semester and a half in and hopefully we'll get to go back to Germany in June fingers crossed so we have to be there once a quarter for a week of course the past two q1 and q2 we were not able to be there because obvious reasons covid but we were able to go in October of last year 
because we're students, only students get, a, get over there. So another silver lining, I studied abroad when I was in college in Spain, and it just gave me the opportunity to study abroad again. My family is from the UK. I just, it's really combining all of these passions that I love learning, being a super nerd. I love super nerds. <laughs> so I just, it gave me the opportunity to study abroad again and really immerse myself into a completely different culture and network even more, network with, hopefully network with producers in the old world in Germany and all over Europe, but also it, it checked all the other boxes that I that I wanted to hit. Well, and if that wasn't enough to juggle all of these things, um, you also did start your own company. You're building that. And it's been really fun to see you using social media to communicate different messaging. And I'm really interested in what the overall vision is for your company, Sam to Table, and how important is that digital presence? You mentioned website design, like all these things that us wine geeks might not all know, but when it comes to the business, you do need that presence. So what is it like growing the business in these times and what's the ultimate vision? So last summer when I was deciding, okay, what are my next steps? MBA was something when I, of course, when I got accepted, I was like, okay, well, that's one of the things I'm going to be doing. But just because it's part of the wine industry or it's focused on the wine industry, it doesn't mean that I'm like immersing myself in the industry of wine itself. It's more from the business side of things. So I wanted a way to stay relevant, to be able to continue to network. As I said before, I, I taught classes. I love to teach. Um, I love to talk about wine. So it gave me a platform to talk and blog or put out there what I'm interested in. This is the first time that I've ever been my own boss. And so it's been, it's been really fun. It was something I just sat down one day and I was like, all right, what am I going to do? I created an Instagram page, maybe a website eventually. What do I want to talk about? What do I want it to be? And I wrote down like 10 different names and, and I just love the kind of the way it rolled off the tongue and, and also the kind of the play on farm to table, that kind of the play on words. And then I actually liked the way it looked as a logo, typewriter font. So it kind of plays to like a past generation, but also playing into like the hashtag and the handle of a current generation. And just, I really liked how it was developing. And then it took me a while. Like one of those things, it's really putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable. So it took me a while. I established it. And then I just kind of sat back and was like, hmm, what do I want to talk about? And then one day I was just like, you know what? I'd just been up to my dad's house in Virginia, a beautiful uh, farm. He grows a big vegetable farm. He produces a lot of like canned goods and vinegars and sells them at farmer's markets and stuff. And we were just up there. And I took a couple pictures and of some wine glasses, like, and some different wine bottles, like on the property with beautiful potted plants around it and some of his produce and some of his products. And then I just took one of those pictures and I was like, that's what I'm going to post. And I just said, Hey world, and introduced myself. But the ultimate goal of it is to be a blog platform, a platform for education and just expressing and talking about what I learn either through the MBA program or whatever I research through reading different books, different magazines that I get. So I want to do that, but also move into virtual tastings, virtual cocktail classes, and eventually I definitely prefer in person, of course. We've all adapted pretty well, but we're all still getting used to this virtual world. Um, but yeah, like use it as a platform for that, to be able to talk about the things that I love, stay relevant, stay networking 
And I started working with SOMCON a little bit here and there, doing some virtual tastings for them and getting some groups together. And it's just, it's just, it's all playing together. I'm in the process of putting my website together with uh, a friend of mine's building that. And that's a much longer process than I thought was going to be because I've never done it before. I mean, I'm not building a website. I, I, I can tell you what I want to go on there, but I don't know how to actually. You're not back there coding, okay? No, I'm I'm not here to. I'm not trying to learn why code. I promise. But that gives me a really good window into this idea of communicating about wine through these different channels and the platforms that you're building, and it's really based on your love of education including wine, which I have to ask you then, with experience in both the old and new world portfolios, domestic and abroad, what are you drinking these days? What are your go-tos? It's funny. Our palates change over time, right? Always changing. And I was drinking a lot of red and white burgundy for a long time. I love champagne. That will probably never change. But I've been drinking a lot of Italian reds. And just Italian wines in general. I love a Norella Mascalese. I love Montevulciano. Like I had one the other day. Um, I've been drinking a lot of Cote Rones too, which before wasn't really my jam, but now I've been getting into something with a little bit more body and a little bit more spice. For the longest time, I drank a lot of Rieslings, a lot of a lot of bright whites. But these days, I've been drinking a lot more red. I'm also more of a seasonal drinker, so you know, in the summertime, I drink a lot of Chakli. I love Chakli Rosé. Amit Zoya is one of my favorites. My local wine shop knows that they keep it by the case there for me. Um, so that's a great chuggable, you know, kind of everyday drinking wine. Great for having friends over. I popped a bottle of Pierre Peters Champagne the other day. Always a great go-to. Yeah, I love um, Willamette Valley Pinot Noirs as well. Um, Elk Cove is one of my favorites. I'm thinking you're an equal opportunity wine enjoyer. As this role, as I'm hearing what you're drinking, you can probably find an interest in a lot of things, which is great. That's exactly the type of person I want to learn about wine with and from is someone who has diversity in their palate and isn't just like stuck in a lane. Because honestly, you want to help people find their happy wine. And if you haven't tasted a variety of wines, then you can't be as helpful. So this all makes a lot of sense that you have a wide variety of things that you enjoy, which is really fun. So if people are interested in following your adventures, where can they find you? What's the best way to reach you right now? Well, right now, um, Stom the Table on Instagram. Uh, Eventually my website will be up and stomtotable.com. And you can also reach me um, on my email, caramcbroom at stomtotable.com. But Instagram's the best way. I've taken a little step back from posting as much on there because of the MBA program has been very intense recently. But yeah, Instagram's the best way to find me and just look for my face. I'm holding a bunch of bottles of rosé in front of me and I'm holding one of them. That's fantastic. I also think that if people want to learn about champagne, you can be a go-to for them because you've worked with it. You've also talked to a lot of people about it, not only in the industry, but also consumer side. So champagne, rosé, Italy, she's your girl. So that's perfect. (laughs) Ever find your way back to Atlanta to visit Tim and now me, um, you can just let us know and I'll keep you posted if I come to the mountains. Yes, thank (laughs) you so much for having me. This was wonderful. And uh, I definitely look forward to meeting you in person and hanging out in Atlanta and maybe Denver. Yeah, cheers to that. I love it. Thanks for tuning in to the A Cork in the Road podcast, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, and interviewing people who are changing the wine world in the Southeast and beyond. You can find more about A Cork in the Road at a
at A Cork in the Road on Instagram and make sure to check us out on www.acorkintheroad.com. See you soon, guys. Cheers.